0: Hello and welcome to the Faith Church podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, please visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the Giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now, get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, starts a brand new series entitled No Doubt November.
1: right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? So what'd y'all do with your extra hour of sleep? Sleep. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, welcome, everybody. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church. And we just want to say welcome to all of our Faith Church family and especially to our VIPs. If it's your first time here, we're glad that you're here. And we hope today, man, God does something really significant in all of our lives. I want to welcome those who are watching online. Let's give it up for our online audience. Welcome, everybody. So happy November. Yeah, I love November. Uh, when I start thinking about November, it automatically leads me to start thinking about Thanksgiving. That's right. And when I start thinking about Thanksgiving, I just don't think about just Thanksgiving. I start thinking about all the holiday meals to come. Because it's that time of the year that you you get to eat some things that you may not get to see but once or twice a year. So I'm going to throw a couple out that are my favorites. If it's your favorite, make some noise. Anybody here like some turkey? Yeah. Ham? Ham? Anybody? Mashed potatoes? Uh, Corn casserole A couple Okay here's one Here's one right here right Does anybody like cranberry sauce I love it Every service So now I gotta say this When I say cranberry sauce I don't mean the cranberry sauce With cranberries I mean the kind that comes Out of the can And still looks like the can (laughs) Yeah baby Yeah Woo I love it because um, God put me in a family That no one else in the family Likes cranberry sauce But me So I get it all to myself Yeah Yeah well, here's the thing, you know, as much as we like the holiday meals, food doesn't just show up at your house on its own. You have to go get it, and I absolutely hate and despise grocery shopping, like, uh, and I'll be honest, I don't really do much of it. That's why I got married, but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Gosh, you guys take me way too serious. Like, on the front end, I'm never serious, and in the middle, I'm serious, so you guys always laugh at the wrong times. Uh, but seriously, I just don't do it enough, and so it's always really bad. When I go grocery shopping, first of all, it takes me way too long because I don't know where anything is, so I'm zigzagging through the store. I'll go on one side and then back and forth. So it takes me way too long, and it costs me way too much money. So when my wife, when she buys anything, when she, anytime she goes shopping, part of the job of the husband is to evaluate and be critical of the amount of money the wife spends, right? Come on, guys. So every time my wife comes home, I'm like, what is this? And she'll go shopping, and she'll bring home a receipt. I'm like, what, $237? What did you buy? And she'll have bags of groceries. And if I go to the grocery store, this is true, I'll buy like five things, and I'll check out and be like, that'll be $87. Like, I got a bag of apples and two things of yogurt and a box of Cheerios, what? So I'm really bad at it. I spend way too much money. It takes me way too long, and so it's just, it's just not my thing. So I don't go much, but the few times that I go, typically it's like this. It's maybe a little bit later at night and my wife is already home and maybe I'm still out running errands or doing things and on the way home I'll call and we'll have this conversation. Hey, babe, what's for dinner? And uh, I know some of you guys are like Sunday afternoon like Sunday. After, you're gonna go home and meal plan for the week We don't meal plan we fly by the seat of our pants. So we decide what we're gonna eat at night At night and so a lot of times, you know, things have been busy. We've not been to the store So my wife will say to me, hey, uh, we don't have anything to eat. So if you want to eat, you're gonna have to stop at the store and immediately it's a conflict because I'm hungry. So I have this appetite, I have this desire to eat, and I also have an appetite and a desire to stay sane. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to eat that bad. But food always wins. Come on, somebody, food always wins in the end. So um, so it's this idea, right, of wrestling and competing with appetites. Because here's what I want to talk about today, is I want to talk about the reality that all of us have appetites in our lives. And when I say appetites, I don't mean just being hungry or being thirsty when i talk about appetites i mean hunger i mean these instinctive desires cravings passions all of us in this room we have them on the inside of us in fact when i talk about appetites and these cravings these desires our appetites are what we have in common if i went across this room i could talk about the different appetites the different desires the different cravings that really all of us have and again i mean outside of food i mean we all have an appetite for intimacy We all have a desire for relationships. We all have a craving to be independent, to be interconnected. All of us in this room, we have an appetite for meaning, for significance. We all have an appetite to be respected, to find purpose in life. Like that's in all of us. Every one of us, it's all the same. These desires and these passions and these things, we build our whole lives around the appetites that we have. Right, for example, um, probably most of us in this room, we have a job. We don't have a job because we love to work. We don't have a job because we love our job. Now, I love my job, but most of us, right? We probably have a job, and here's why. We got a job because we have an appetite for, um, again, uh, being independent, right? If you get a job, a job leads to money, and money leads to you getting off your mama's couch. So, you get to be independent. Some of us, we have jobs because we're looking to be successful. And the avenue that we're in or the profession we're in is an opportunity for us to succeed and to achieve. And so it meets a need in us It it fulfills an appetite in us So again, we all have appetites We all have a lot of the same appetites uh, in common And again, we, we tend to build our lives Around the appetites that we have But here's the thing Not only are appetites what we have in common But they're what individualizes our lives The reason my life is different from your life And your life is different from my life It's not the appetites All of our appetites are the same but the difference is this, the appetites that I choose to pursue in my life are maybe different than the ones you pursue. In fact, there are times, and I would say it this way, it's, it's what defines our life and individual our lives when it comes to these appetites is kind of what we control, the appetites we control and the appetites we pursue. And when I say the appetites we control, probably I should say sometimes the appetites control us. Anybody here ever feel controlled by an appetite? Let me just talk about let's get real today at Faith church So we just came out of uh, just came out of the month of october and it was Uh, you know, halloween and candy. So we have some great staff in our church I'm thankful for all the people that have put here. We have one great lady If you ever call the church, she's probably the one who's going to answer the phone. Her name is miss lisa mace So miss lisa mace She brought in right at the beginning of october. She brought a big bowl of candy bars right at the beginning of october and set it in her office now, most of you guys know my journey, it's up and down, with trying to maintain a level of healthiness and fitness, and it's always a struggle. So she brought this big bowl of candy bars, and I'm just telling you, week uh, day one, I'm like, Nuh-uh. no, no, no. <laughs> like, uh, you, you don't control me. I tell you, I'm eating you if I want to eat you, and I don't want to eat you. Until day two came. And I was like, no, I'm going to be strong. I'm not having any of these things. And day three, I'm like, listen, is that a baby Ruth? <laughs> And it was really all downhill from there because, you know, day three, I'm like one. And then day four, I'm like, well, they're really small. I mean, two or three, this is truth. By like day five, I was double fisting the bowl. (laughs) Because I thought, really, I thought, if I just eat the bowl, if I just eat it, then it's gone, then the temptation's gone. What I didn't know was Lisa Mace was more committed to keep the bowl filled than I was to empty it. And so the whole staff is eating this bowl of candy and I keep eating it. It was horrible. I'm telling you, I ate more candy in the last month than I've eaten truly probably in the last two years. Finally, I told her, I think it was this one day this past week, like October 30th, 31st. I looked at her truly. She kept filling it up, and I was, man, my diet was in the tank. I looked at her, I said, listen, if you fill this bowl up one more time, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> Have you ever been fired for generosity? Because she was almost there. So it was, it was horrible. But here's the thing is, so again, all of us, listen, listen, this is so important all of us have appetites all of us have cravings all of us have desires and those desires and those appetites is what we build our life around and again what individual individualize our lives are the appetites really you choose to really fulfill and try to try to satisfy in your life and it's not just the ones that we control but sometimes it's the ones that we pursue because oftentimes we have to choose which appetite we're going to satisfy for example when it comes to a career when it comes to relationships Sometimes and some of you in this room you're here You've chosen not to pursue a relationship because currently you're choosing a career and it's not that you don't want a relationship There's something in you that wants to not live life alone You want to find a significant other you want to do life with somebody But right now you're choosing to find success in a career at the cost right now of Satisfying the appetite for relationship or for intimacy and and that's okay But again, it's about choosing and about pursuing which appetite we want to we want to feed or fill sometimes when it comes to relationships for example marriage um, the reason we get married is because we have an appetite for intimacy and in relationship but i just want you to know something relationships are incredibly complicated for all the single people that are hurry to get married count your blessings because <laughs> it's not i mean it's it's amazing but it's got its downsides because people wives women are incredibly complicated Can I say that up here? I can because you all can't reach me. I'm way up here. We love you, women. That's why we married you. You're beautiful, and it's awesome. We love you. But men, we're easy to figure out. Like, you don't ever have to wonder what's a man thinking. If he's got a sandwich on his plate, his glass is full, football's on, and he has recently been intimate with his wife, it's all good in the hood. (laughs) Wives are incredibly hard to read. We don't know what you're thinking. We may tell you we know what you're thinking. We don't have a clue. Now, the other side is, women, I'm going to give it to you. We can be hard to live with. We don't put the toilet seat down. We don't do the whole tap, cap on the toothpaste. Once it comes off, it's supposed to be off till the tube's empty. That's the rule. If you actually read the small print, it's actually in there. You know, I know it's complicated, but here's the thing. Do you know why? Listen, do you know why you put up with us and we put up with you? Is because we, at the end of the day, we have an appetite for intimacy and relationship, and we want that fulfilled because all of us have appetites. All of us have cravings. And here's the thing. Nobody had to teach you it. You were born this way. It came on the inside of you. It came as part of your DNA. And here's why. It's because you didn't come through years and millions of years from an old pond of scum to be evolved into who you are. God made you. God made you in his image. God created you who you are. And part of you being made in the image of God is to have cravings and desires on the inside of you that desire to be satisfied. Now, the challenge is, oftentimes we are at our worst, our culture is at its worst, that in our drive to fulfill those certain appetites that we go wheels off. Every crime that's ever been committed at its base is a very simple appetite that's just been perverted or been corrupted. Rape is a perversion of intimacy. Someone stealing from someone else is just a temptation or a desire that we have to accumulate stuff there's nothing wrong with it but when those things get perverted again when our appetites get twisted that's when we get in trouble so all of us in this room we have appetites we're building our lives around them we're defined by them our lives are individualized by which ones we're pursuing at the cost of others it's all part of our journey and again here's what i want you to know is appetites that have been made by the creator can only be met by the creator Because your appetites and my appetites because they've been given to us by God that we can only ever really be satisfied in life We can only really ever be fulfilled if we have a relationship with God and we're doing relationship We're doing money. We're doing business in the context of being a Christ follower We live in a world right now that will tell you to go fulfill your desires outside of a relationship with God that you don't need God to be happy We live in a world right now that not only tells us that you don't need God to be happy, but we live in a culture right now that tells us that if you have God, you are less likely to be happy because God will cramp your business, because God will cramp your sleeping around schedule, because God will cramp your relationships, because God... And so we live in a world that's telling us you can do it better without God. What I've come to tell you today is the appetites that you and I have, they come from God and can only really be fulfilled by God. So we're going to look at a story today, and this story really at the end of the day is about appetites And it's a very common story if you have been in church for any amount of time You probably have heard this story if you're new uh, to church we're glad you're here And this will be a great kind of intro story to jesus and kind of how he lived and operated It's a story in your bible. It's probably known as the story of the woman at the well Now I, I just got to say this when when the bible was written god We believe the holy spirit inspired people to write exactly what's recorded but this, the chapters and the verses and, and the title headings that was all added later just for us to help navigate and find our way around Which means they're not inspired. They just were tossed in So at some point someone read that story and said i'm gonna call this the woman at the well, which is incredibly boring I would have never named it that because who wants to read about a woman at a well Let me try this on who wants to read about a prostitute by a pool like i'm in on that Same story. See I should have named it. Y'all would be reading your bible all the time right now. It's just collecting dust So, here's a story about Jesus going to have an encounter with a woman by a, well, or a, you are never going to forget that. You'll never forget it. So here's the story. Watch it. John chapter 4. It says, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. And he had, everybody read this, he had to go through Samaria on the way. So here's, here's kind of a, a geography lesson of that region of the world at that time when Jesus is alive. Imagine these three places, Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Imagine them like three areas, three general locations, three counties. And Judea was in the south. Galilee, where Jesus is trying to get to, is in the north. And Samaria is smack dab in the middle. If you draw a straight line, you have to go right through Samaria. But here's the challenge with Samaria is as far as the Jews were concerned, Samarias were less, uh, they were second-class citizens. They were nobodies. They were unimportant. They were half-breeds. They were less than human. And so Jewish people were very racist and very bigoted towards Samaritan people. They didn't want anything to do with them. Now we don't have time to get into why, but that was the Jewish mindset of the day. Is that Jews were here and Samaritans were here, and never shall the two mix. Like you just don't do anything with them. You don't talk to them. You don't deal. You don't do business dealings with them. You just stay away from them. And so Jesus, being a Jew and raised in a Jewish culture, he should have thought no self-respecting Jew will ever do anything or go around Samaria. In fact, things had gotten so bad that if you were traveling between Judea and Samaria, again, the most direct route was you had to go right through Samaria, which means you had to deal with Samaritan. And so Jews had gotten into the habit that they would take the long way home. Come on, baby, take the long way home. They would take the long way around. Instead of a 70-mile direct route, they would take about a 130-mile journey because I would rather walk twice the distance and deal with a Samaritan now that's some that's some bigotry that's some racism and so all of a sudden here jesus and his disciples they're in galilee or i'm sorry they're in judea they're headed to galilee and everybody knows you take the road to jericho you take the river down and then we get home and all of a sudden they're following jesus and wait whoa, whoa it looks like we're headed to samaria pump the brakes jesus and they're starting to get nervous things are getting awkward everybody's getting quiet everybody's kind of whispering because they're headed right through samaria and here's what the bible says watch this everybody say it he had to go through samaria well i'm telling you jews for generations had taught jesus you don't have to go through samaria you can take the long way so when the bible says he had to go it's not about geographical limitations There was another way he could get there. This is about not geographical limitations. This is about his mission He had a mission in samaria. He was drawn to samaria He was pushed there by the father of Samaria. He had an appetite to go to samaria because god had something to do what I want you to know here on the front end is who you are as a human being, whether you consider yourself spiritual or not, whether you consider yourself yet to be a Christ follower, every one of us in this room, you were born in this world with a had to. God's put a mission in your life. God's given you a purpose in your life. You are here for a reason beyond mowing lawns and getting paychecks. Every one of us in this room, God's given you a calling and a purpose and something to do on planet Earth that's significant and valuable and will last far after you're gone. Everybody has got a had to. And Jesus had one too. So I don't want you to lose focus that this story is about appetites. So Jesus, again, he didn't really have to as much as he had a passion and an appetite to go through Samaria. And here's why. Because eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob, uh, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime be a great place to have some music so imagine it's the heat of the day right now i mean the sun is at its apex it's the middle east it's stoking hot jesus got some spf 80 on he's tired and he's he's, he's sitting by himself and here's why he was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy food this is a whole nother message i could preach this whole message anytime you're serving jesus he will force you to confront things that are difficult in your life They were raised to hate Samaritans. You know what Jesus said? Hey, I need you to go into the Samaritan village and find some food. Can you imagine what that trip was like? So Jesus sits by himself. He's hungry. He's tired. He's in the heat of the day, but he's not there because he wants to. He's there because he had to, because there was an appetite in his life that he was trying to fulfill. And all of a sudden, here comes a lady. Soon, a Samaritan woman, come on, everybody, she wasn't a woman. We know what she was. A Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Now, you don't have to know anything about the Bible or this story yet. You already know something's wrong with this woman, the fact that she's there at noon. Because there was no indoor plumbing, there was no water in homes. In order for you to have water to drink, in order for you to have water to do what you needed to do to operate a home, in order for you to have water to to, to give your animals something to drink, there was, in every region or every village, there was a local well. This was the well that was in the city of Sakkar. So everybody would come in the morning when it was was not hot out, or they would come in the evening or both to get the water they needed for the day. But yet the Bible tells us that, and the writer of the book of John tells us, that this woman shows up at noontime. Why didn't she come in the morning? Why did she come at the heat of the day? Because she was not just an outcast as far as Jews were concerned. She was an outcast as far as as, uh, Samaritans were concerned because she was living a very unsavory lifestyle. She was making some choices that made her an outcast in her own culture in her own society And so she shows up to get some water Expecting to be alone and lo and behold there's jesus and jesus says to her. Hey, give me a drink The woman was surprised For jews refused to have anything to do with samaritans and she said to jesus You're a jew and i'm a samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? I mean she was blown away Because, again, culturally, the bigotry and the racism was so deep and so wide that, first of all, Jews never spoke to Samaritans. And it was culturally unacceptable for a man to ever talk to a woman one-on-one. Like, you just don't do it. In fact, if you were married, it can be considered adultery. So you just don't do it. So for a Jew to talk to a Samaritan was a no-no. For a guy to talk to a girl alone was a no-no. Here's Jesus, a Jew, talking to a Samaritan woman alone like Jesus was violating every cultural boundary, which this is good news for me because if you're here and you feel like you're unreachable, like you've gone too far, like God cares about church people but not you, where God cares about good people but you've made too many mistakes, I want you to know that Jesus will violate every cultural boundary to get where you are because he don't love good people, he loves all people. That's good news right here. So again, she she says, Jesus, hey, give me a drink of water. She's freaked out because he's even talking to her. She's in cultural shock. And she says this, hey, why are you asking me for a drink? Remember, this is a story about appetites. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God had for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me, Instead of me asking you you would ask me and i would give you come on, everybody shout these words living water that's weird can we just say that see i know in church be like oh praise the lord living water i've got a river of life flowing out of me makes the line guy. i mean it's like what living water she's like what do what are we talking about are you talking about seltzer water Are you talking about the stuff with the bubbles in it jesus watch this because this is a story about appetites so jesus says to her hey you're here to get water out of the well give me a drink of water she's freaked out and she looks at jesus and says hey we shouldn't even be talking and jesus says hey you should be glad i'm talking to you because if you knew who i was and you're about to find out you would ask me and i wouldn't give you this plain old water i would give you living water what's he mean by it? he tells her listen watch but, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Like, it's not clicking yet what he means. Jesus replied, everybody here read this and then remember this verse to the end. Anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. Talking about the well water. But those who drink the water I give, come on, say it, will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. What Jesus is doing is he's he's narrowing down the appetites she has in her life. Everybody has appetites. We build our lives around them. We are defined by the appetites we fulfill, we pursue, and we choose to satisfy. And he's looking at this woman and he's saying, hey, I want to talk to you about appetites. You know what it's like to be thirsty, so do I. But let's talk about the soul thirst we have. You know what a soul thirst is? A soul thirst is when you choose to try to fulfill an appetite that God's given you outside of a relationship with God. Because you can do everything you can in your own power. You can listen to this world tell you you don't need God, that God's an obstacle, you being satisfied in this life. And if you ever try to fulfill an appetite that God's given you outside of a relationship with God or doing it God's way, it will always leave you thirsty. And Jesus is saying, hey, you know, you know the problem? The problem isn't that you're physically thirsty. The problem is that you're, your heart's thirsty. And then he gets right up in her chili. And he says this. She says, please sir the woman said give me this water Then i'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water and jesus says uh, go get your husband Oh, it's about to get real <laughs> If you don't know this story jesus is about to make this conversation get really awkward Because when he looks at her and she says hey give me water She says hey, why are you talking to me? And jesus says hey, I want to give you living water in order to let her know how desperate she needs this living water He exposes how thirsty she is. And he brings up her relationships. An appetite we all have. We all have appetites for relationships. We all have appetites for intimacy. And he looks at this girl and he says, Hey, hey girl, go get your husband for me. And she's like, Um, yeah, about the husband thing. I don't have a husband. The woman replied, Jesus said, You're dang skippy. You don't have a husband you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now you have certainly spoke the truth he says your 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 life is a relational train wreck i love it i wonder if he re- like i wonder if he really said this you we always put like you have spoken the truth <laughs> you know my kids I, you know i was trying to push them to try to excel in school and, you know if they come home and they got like a hey how'd you do on your test today um I didn't, you know, I did okay. Well, what's okay? Uh, a 62. Well, that's horrible. (laughs) You have spoken the truth, right? (laughs) Jesus, he takes her from water to living water to show her how the soul thirst she has. See, a soul thirst, again, is when you try to fulfill an appetite that God's given you outside of a relationship with God or doing life the way God wants us to do it. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and everything else to be added. He's saying, if you start with me, if you start with me and a relationship with me, and then you go do life, God says, man, you're going to be fulfilled. But if you try to do life without me, if you try to satisfy the desires I've given you without me helping you fulfill them, God says, man, you're just going to be thirsty. You're, it's never going to be enough. And he exposes a key appetite that we all have in this woman for relationship. And here she goes, man. She starts with one husband. Like, Imagine when they met. She's like, man, mom, she, he's the one. And they get married and things don't work out and she divorces and she meets the next guy. And she's like, no, for, he's gotta be the one. And she goes through two husbands and then three husbands and four husbands and five husbands. And listen, if you go through five marriages, listen, the men are not the problem. You are the common denominator in bad marriages. And now she's living with a guy she's not even married to. And what Jesus is saying is, listen to me, you're trying to feed this appetite for relationship and you're doing it outside of the way I've designed marriage and relationship and that's why it'll never satisfy you. So you're going from bedroom to bedroom. You're going from guy to guy. You're going from relationship to relationship and it's never satisfying you because you're doing it outside of the way I've designed marriage and outside of a relationship with me. And it will never satisfy you. It will always leave you thirsty. And so some of you in this room, you're wondering why, like, like, I got more money in the bank. I got another degree on the wall. I'm in, I'm in another relationship. And you wonder why you're still thirsty. It's because everything you're doing, like you're doing it your own way in your own time, in your own ability. Like it doesn't matter what God says about relationships. Like I'll be with who I want, when I want. I'll sleep with them when I want. We'll move in together when it feels right. And we don't care. And we don't care, God, I'm gonna be successful whatever it takes. I don't care what I have to fudge, what I have to compromise, what I have to be a little crooked on. Like I just wanna be successful. I wanna get ahead in business. And we start doing life our own way and it never will satisfy us. And Jesus is talking to a woman whose relational life is a train wreck and like she's realizing like yeah i'm not getting it right and i'm still thirsty for another guy i'm still thirsty for another relationship i'm never satisfied he's like hey because you're drinking like the water of this world you need you need the water that only i can give she says sir so the woman said you you must be a prophet yeah that's she's quick too she's She's like, listen to everything Jesus is saying, saying, Wow, like, you know my whole life story. You, you just don't know my circumstances. You know my heart. That I'm bankrupt inside. Like, I'm dying inside. Like, I'm, I'm trying to do everything I can, and it's just never enough. But the time is coming. Jesus, they get into this conversation. You can read it. I've skipped a couple verses. She's starting to have this encounter with God. Like, she's starting to figure it out that this guy she's talking to is not just a Jew he's a prophet he's not just a prophet he's there's a good chance he's the messiah he's he's the guy everybody's been waiting on and so at that time there was this debate about where religious people worshiped and samaritan said you worship on this mountain and jews like no you worship on this mountain because mountains signified man's effort to reach god you climb the mountain you're closer to god and so she's asking like what mountain if like okay i'm ready to get my life right so what mountain do i worship at And Jesus answers the question. He's like, hey, neither. It's not about a mountain because a mountain represents you trying to get to God. Every religious figure, every prophet, every man of God, every religion, every major world religion, whether it's Buddhism, Islam, even Christianity in the context of religion, not a relationship, is man's effort to reach God. If I can just pray enough, if I can meditate enough, if I can give enough, if I can be good enough, there's nothing we can do to bridge the gap of separation between us and our Creator. We can try all we can, but we can never reach high enough. That's why Jesus came, or that's why God sent His Son Jesus to reach down to us. We couldn't reach God, so God reached us. And so, answering this question, listen to what Jesus says Hey, what mountain? Jesus says, not about a mountain. The time is coming. Indeed, it's here right now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. See, it's not about, he's telling this girl, it's not about you looking for God. God's been looking for you. It's not about you trying to figure things out. God wants to come alongside of us and God wants to be a part of our life and a part of our journey. He's been looking for us. That's why Jesus said the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. So in the middle of this conversation, here's one more, let me give you this, you're right, taking notes. God is not the obstacle to your appetite being fulfilled, he's the opening. Jesus is the one who ultimately satisfies us. He's the one, like in relationships, in business, in money, in degrees, in in friendships, in whatever we do, whatever appetite you have, like God is not trying to keep you from good stuff, God's trying to get you to good stuff. He's not trying to hold you back from being satisfied. He's the only vehicle. He's the only avenue. He's the only venue that you will ever find satisfaction in. And so remember the story. Jesus sits down. He's by himself. He sent his disciples. Remember where the disciples went? They went to go get something to eat. Very awkward things happening. He's sitting there. He has this conversation with this woman. And we don't know, like the Bible doesn't even put words to it. She has this this radical encounter that changes her life. She gets saved. She gets born again. She has a religious experience. like You put whatever terminology, but her heart and life is radically changed. She's had this encounter with the Messiah, and now her life has meaning and value. She was an outcast. Now she's accepted. She had this soul thirst. Now she was satisfied. And in the middle of this conversation, watch this. Things are about to get awkward. The disciples came back. Now, remember, these were the guys who were raised that you never talk, you never talk to Samaritans, and you never talk to women. And so you got to imagine, they're bringing lunch back, like they're rolling deep with McDonald's, right? They got Big Macs and fries, the fries are cold, so they taste like foam, but we eat them anyways. They're carrying like big, like they're walking in, and you got to imagine them, they're peeking the hill, and they're like, is that Jesus down by the well? That's Jesus and they're walking and the longer they walk the closer it gets the more the picture comes into clarity and they're like hey jesus is talking to wait is that a samaritan jesus is talking to a samaritan everybody knows we don't talk to a samaritan you better tell him not to talk and that's a woman nobody everybody knows you don't talk to a samaritan woman you need to go tell jesus we don't talk to the samaritan woman he's like you, i'm not you tell him <laughs> like who wants to be the one to correct jesus I'm not telling them, you tell them. So it's this awkward conversation between, between 12 men about who's going to challenge Jesus for crossing these cultural barriers. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? So they get there and they're like, so what's cracking, Jesus? <laughs> so, uh, Who's your friend? Like you, can, like, you can probably cut the tension with a knife. And in the midst of Jesus taking his attention off of the woman, she's like, she's already had this radical encounter. He turns his attention to the disciples, and in that moment, in my estimation, is one of the most profound verses in this story. If you're a Bible reader, you can glaze right over this verse and totally miss something that I think is pretty significant. So I'm going to tell you something about the Bible. I believe God's Word is inspired i believe every word is there on purpose so if you're reading the bible and and the the bible cares to tell us the name of a city it's there for a reason if it cares to tell us a detail it's there for a reason if it cares to tell us the name of a person it's there every detail is there for a reason so it's not by accident and so this next detail that's mentioned in this story it's kind of like wait what because this incredible encounter between Jesus, the Messiah, and a Samaritan prostitute, they they talk, she has this encounter, life changed. her life is transformed like she gets it, she can't fulfill her life with all these men and stuff, it's only from a relationship with God, she's blown away, the disciples show up, things get awkward, she leaves, and then watch this, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. So if this was a video, imagine it zoomed in on Jesus and the woman. And as it backs out, you see the woman exit, you see the disciples come in, and as she leaves, imagine if you're directing, like you zoom in on the water pot. Like what's the, who cares? She left her water pot, so what? She had to bring a water pot to get water out of the well to put it in her water jar, water pot, to take take it back home. And the writer cares to tell us she left it there. Why? It means something. It's because this water pot represented her desire to fill her life. And remember the promise of Jesus. Jesus said what? Jesus said, listen, you keep drinking this well water, you're just going to keep getting thirsty. And then he said this, but if you drink of the water I have for you, what did he say? You will never, everybody say it, you will never be thirsty again. You know what she said? I don't need this anymore. You said I would never thirst again. I don't need the water pot. I don't need to come here anymore. He's saying... Pastor, wait a minute. Are you telling me if I love Jesus, I won't ever get thirsty? No. But what I'm telling you is what you're trying to stuff your life with to satisfy. Like we just keep trying to put more money in our accounts, more money in retirement. We just keep trying to climb the corporate ladder. We just trying to keep getting more college credits and more college degrees and more relationships and more sexual encounters. And we just try to, we just try to keep stuffing our life with stuff. And we wonder why we're still thirsty just more. I must just not have enough. I must not have enough success I must not have enough likes on my twitter. I must not have enough likes on my facebook page And that's more and i'm just i'm never satisfied. So I got to have more I got to sleep with more people. I got to get more money I got to work more hours and more 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 and we're never satisfied and when she heard jesus say listen If you get what I have for you, you'll never be thirsty again She had the audacity to believe him what would happen? if you really believe the promise of Jesus? Because for her, what that water pot represented really was a lifetime of broken relationships. And she was able to say, I don't need that anymore. What would happen if you really believe the promise of Jesus? That fulfilling your appetites in the context of a relationship with him and doing life his way, you'll never thirst again. What would happen if you really believe Jesus? You would leave something behind you would leave something behind. And she runs to the village, and she's so overwhelmed by this life transformation. The people that, in her own village, were avoiding her, she starts knocking on their doors. She's become a Jehovah's Witness. No, I'm just kidding. She's like, hey, come, like, this guy, I met the Messiah, you got to come meet him, and like the entire city comes out to meet Jesus. You can read it, it's, and they start getting saved. It's crazy but remember the story the story is a story of appetites and it wasn't just her appetite that was perverted and twisted and she was trying to fulfill outside of a relationship with God but we see on display the appetite of Jesus remember he had a had to and he goes into the village he's sitting by himself remember he sent his disciples one more time where did they go? to get him something to eat he was tired he was hungry he was weary but he fulfilled his had to the disciples come back, and watch this. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But replied, I have a kind of food you don't know anything about. They're like, hey, did someone bring him some Wendy's while we were gone? Like, we were going to McDonald's. Like, who fed you? What's going on? The disciples ask each other, curious. Like, you were hungry when we were left. Now you're not hungry. What happened? Everybody here read this. We're almost done. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. He's like, you know what? I got appetites just like you do. He's like, we're all in this scene together that if you're not careful, you'll try to satisfy yourself the way this world's had. Like, just do it without God. God's just hindering you from what the best. He's saying, but you know what really satisfies me? You know what really quenches my thirst? is when I, when I fulfill my had to, when I do what God wanted me to do, when I please my Father, in my relationship with Him, when I do what He sent me to do, the way He sent me to do it, He's like, I'm, I don't think He's saying He's not physically hungry anymore. He's like saying, like He's buckling His belt and He's like, I'm good for a little bit. Like, I'm full, I'm satisfied. It's like, again, it's a picture of appetites. On one hand, you got a woman that's been trying to fulfill and satisfy her appetites outside of God. And she's bankrupt. She's thirsty all the time. Sleeping around, man-to-man, relation-to-relationship. And then you have Jesus who has appetites. And he does it God's way in God's strength in a relationship with his Father. He's like, man, I'm good. That's all That's nourishment to me. So one more time as we close. Appetites that have been made by the Creator can only be met by the Creator. So... What's your water pot? What's the thing you feel like you just got to keep filling and it's never enough? It's always empty? Because if you keep trying to fill it in your own way, in your own strength, it'll never be enough and you'll always have a soul thirst. But if you'll do it God's way, listen, you may not have enough money in the bank, but you'll be satisfied. You may not have met the right guy or girl yet, but you'll be satisfied. You may have not got the degree or the job, whatever you wanted yet, but if it starts with God and it's done God's way, you will always be satisfied. And Jesus said, you'll never thirst. So Father, I come in the name of Jesus and I pray for all of us in this room, including me, that God, you'll help us in the context of the appetites and desires that you've given us for relationship and success, acceptance, intimacy, God, I pray all the things that you have put in our heart and in our DNA, God, forgive us for all the times we have pursued those things outside of a relationship with you. God, we can admit like this women, they always leave us empty. God, I pray help us to be a people, to pursue, to have our appetites fulfilled in a relationship with you and doing life your way. And God, if we do it that way, what would happen? What would happen? You said we'll never thirst again. And so, Father, I pray that we believe your promise in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees said, Amen.